0: After I, what I feel is that after you learn how you learn best by yourself, you can literally learn anything. So that's why I think this program is very important.
1: Welcome to the Reinventing Education podcast. I'm Rob McLeod. This is a podcast for teachers, parents, and students who wish to create a more compelling vision for education. On this episode, we speak with Tryon Anna and Karina, of the Alternative University in Bucharest, Romania, an institution that is updating what a university can be. We discuss how a school can serve the role of a coach as well as an educator, how an institution like a university can be flexible with its systems, structures, and communities to meet an individual student's learning needs. We discuss a student's relationship with learning, how to foster self-directed learning, and then self-directed living how developing a portfolio of real-life projects serves a person entering the workforce more than grades or a diploma, and how learning must be connected to real-life projects. Uh, Tryan, Anna, and Karina, thank you very much for taking the time to join Brendan and I. I'm very excited to talk about the Alternative University with the three of you today. The way that we've connected was uh, I had put a call out through a Reinventing Organization Facebook group, And just asking if people knew of, you know, interesting educators, people doing really cutting-edge things, I was completely blown away by the fact that I had not yet come across your school. And and I really appreciate that you had responded to the message. Um, The scale and the scope of what you're doing in Romania is incredible. Um, Just looking through some of the information you sent me, like 1,500 students you've been in contact with, um, several startups, 23 different startups launching out of work the school has done, uh, six TEDx speakers and a whole bunch of other things. I guess I'm most curious, maybe the three of you, to hear some of your own stories, um, how you got involved with the school and perhaps um, maybe comparing it to some of your previous experience within education and and what it was about the Alternative University
2: that spoke to you. I'm like the the most recent... (laughs) follower of the Alternative University. Uh, Yeah, well, um, I've become a a part of the Alternative University firstly as a student in 2013 or something, as far as I remember. Uh, And back then I was part of this student NGO in Bucharest. I was already interested in how education should be done and how we can improve the quality of education for students because uh, the university I was part of did not necessarily take into account these things, (laughs) even though it was one of the biggest ones in Romania. Um, And I discovered the Alternative University in a moment when uh, it was actually changing from (laughs) CROSS, which was this resource center for um, student organizations. And it became back then the Alternative University, and I was like the first alternative student <laughs> the first generation we were the the change makers generation uh, and what got me is that it was more about values than anything else like i i haven't seen uh, another learning environment that would focus on values that much and it got me at learning was <laughs> one of the values that was mine as well and i i I wanted to to leave it as, as much as possible, like a combination of learning and daring. And I was like, okay, I have to be there. I have to be <laughs> uh, with these people. And now I'm actually, uh, I was part of the core team of the alternative university for the past three years in different roles. And now I'm uh, also in charge of the, of the community. I'm a community manager, manager let's just say, manager, not manager, mm. community, Firekeeper, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing things together with Ryan, Anna and uh, so many other co-creators uh, that we have today in the community. And we want to basically rebuild the way we are organizing uh, the university. Uh, but it's a really interesting process. And it still got me at learning and daring.
1: <laughs> when you're, it sounds like as though you as what I'm going to call staff or fire keepers in your case um, it sounds like you're embodying those same values that are being spoken of for students. So there's not a divorce between staff expectations and student expectations in that line. Would that be correct?
2: Yeah, it's totally correct. And uh, I would say that on the contrary, we are challenging the staff to leave the values. And whenever we feel like we, <laughs> we are not living in them anymore. We, we basically challenged the way we are working together. And that's something that's currently happening in the team. We basically uh, decided that we don't want to have a core team anymore because the people who were part of this core team were like really stressed out trying to make it work. They were all (laughs) hard workers there. But uh, when we zoomed out, we realized that nobody was living in freedom anymore. I'm like, whoa, we need to be the first one who are doing that. Uh, so that's why we we started challenging the way we are organizing the community and now we are inviting everybody to co-organize with ad, with us the experiences and not only not only the learning experiences, but also the um, the more I don't know the, the things that have to do with the organizational level uh, per se so that that's something as an example <laughs> that proves uh, that we are the, the first ones who, who need who needs and who should uh, leave the values
1: i I see the word student-led behind what the university is all about and to me student-led there's like a spectrum of it there's like artificially student-led when you're kind of paying lip service to like well we asked the kids what they thought and then we still did whatever we wanted anyways to complete freedom the daring collaborating this set of things. Can you give us a sense of what student-led means at the alternative university?
2: I was trying to <laughs> uh, to think about what would Trent say, because I-, I somehow know the direction of his uh, speech on this one. Um, basically, he... Tran left the team uh, somewhere in 2015 because he wanted to travel around the world and discovered uh, schools and educational projects. And now he's back and maybe we can hear him, okay. Um, And uh, after Tran left the team, we basically uh, started putting more structure to our educational model. And that happened because we were looking at uh, our students needs and that was a time when we decided that uh, we want to reach out to more students um, to go beyond the students from the students who were part of student organizations and what happened is that the the profile of the student uh, changed we discovered that uh, students had different needs they were in need of structure more than we thought they would be when we started reaching out to students who were only part of the university, not necessarily involved in other projects or, um, they were not part of programs that would have allowed them to discover themselves better bec- before becoming a part of our programs. So that was something that we need to take into consideration when we started uh, putting more, uh, Workshops experiences, uh, we we basically put them forward, and students were deciding between which one <laughs> uh, they had to choose in one day or one week. Um, and what happened is that we also raised the fee, um, um, and that basically impacted in a negative way the experience because students started uh, having this transactional mindset, they were paying a fee in order to receive something from us and we felt the pressure of delivering a a service, a product, something that we didn't have uh, we didn't have in the beginning in our minds, we didn't want that. So uh, these were um, two things that uh, we saw as effects were that they were more transactional and they were expecting us to deliver and that was something really similar to what happened inside the traditional system where teachers provided Information and content, and the second effect was that they were not necessarily uh, self-directed. Like uh, they were in theory self-directed or going through self-directed programs, uh, but in practice, this skill was not necessarily developing in the way we would la- we would have uh, liked that to happen. So. It wasn't uh, about freedom and learning like crazy anymore. It was about attending some programs. uh, And we did that for two years in a row. And that's when we (laughs) wanted to uh, stop and to get back to the self-organized environment that we had before. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so there's been a real evolution to the school itself, having started out with intentions and the the inquiry into how you make those things happen. And it sounds like it kind of started to revert back to a more conventional school setting, but then it reinvented itself into what it is now. Is that a fair
2: summary? It is. Yeah, and it all had to do with our way of responding to their needs uh, and our maturity in responding to those needs because we were like, okay, maybe at some point we had some pleasers patterns like we have to do the things that they want us to do so that they are happy and they're going through the programs and they're fulfilled and so on but it was not necessarily what we wanted.
1: And Trajan I'd be curious you had started to begin to explain the origins of the school from the student activism onwards.
3: For example for me I was a student activist for five years so all the time that I spent in the university, I was a part of student organizations, and we were trying to make uh, universities more student-centered, and that we, the students, have a, have a bigger say in, uh, in how the universities are run. So after these years of activism, when we said uh, we're going to make our own university, we wanted uh, two things. One, to be student-centered. So completely student centered. That means each student would self-design his own learning. And the second one that the overall space of the university, the collective space would be governed uh, collectively by students. So each student would have like an equal say in what's going on. Uh, What happened in the beginning, we focused on creating this um, um, self-design model so we asked ourselves how do you make a an an environment where you have 100 students and 100 learning paths Uh, so we focused on that for a while Uh, and there were there was this core team that was organizing everything so you had a, a complete individual freedom to choose your your own path, and to design your own path. Um, But there was a core team organizing the menu, let's say. Um, And uh, at one point, the need pushed us towards something else, uh, because we we couldn't... uh, um, We had financial difficulties, and when the first person got out of the team for uh, this reason, uh, saying that it's very difficult for me from a financial point of view, so I'm leaving the team. This was a a sort of wake-up call for us that we need to make this model financially sustainable, and we re-evaluated everything. Uh, So we ended up proposing... uh, the, to the students that they, some of them, would join the core team. So that was our first step towards this direction of being co-designed and co-led with, with the students. And when, they, when the students joined the team, we were perfectly equal in that team. Uh, so there were some staff members that would be, uh, would, that they were uh, full-time employed and some volunteering uh, students, but when we were uh, discussing and um, taking decisions and all that, we were perfectly equal. Um, So from that moment on, it was in a way um, co-designed and governed, co-governed with the students, Uh, but there were only the students that decided to join the team. Uh, so, in fact, this role of the core team uh, remained pretty much the same. Only it was open for everybody to join. Uh, and now I think we're making the final step towards, uh, towards having a university that is truly um, self-organized. We actually were dismantling the core team, and we we're inviting everyone to participate in a very open process uh, of uh, self-organization. We were not sure how we're gonna make it in every detail, uh, but I think this is the mm, this is the natural step for us in this direction of having a university that is being. Uh, governed by its own students
1: can you walk me through the perspective of a student who's entering the alternative university? I know from what i've read about you there's it seems kind of three core elements of a personalized journey, an educational platform, and a learning tribe and I'm already well aware hearing what you're saying that each student sounds like they would have a differentiated unique path, a hundred different learners with a hundred different types of learning but what what's a common journey for a student into the school? How does their program come together?
0: I think I can give a little bit of perspective in this one. Um, So hi, I'm uh, Anna. And uh, out of uh, the three of us here, I think I'm the only one who wasn't part of the core team per se. Um, I'm a former student and um, then I, I kept really close with the university throughout uh, the years so I joined the university in 2008 uh, and me and the other guys who joined the uh, the university back then uh, we like to call ourselves the guinea pigs of the of the model because we were the first generation of students who um, who would go through through this. Uh, The very interesting fact that that I think it's important to mention here is the fact that most students who come and join the alternative university in parallel are also part of a traditional bachelor program uh, in uh, Bucharest, or at least they were back then in 2010. I think right now things change a little bit. But back then, there was no option to just like drop formal school and join something um, such as the alternative university. So for us, the process was extremely powerful because you would go through these two very different um, learning models. One of them would be very traditional. You would go and sit um, in a room for a couple of hours and you would have the teacher you information that you would have to memorize over and over again, and the other one, at the very complete opposite, where you would go there, and everybody around you would say, like, "This is it." Like, you you would you would ask, "So, what do we learn here?" And everybody would be like, "Well, what do you want to learn?" <laughs> so that was the very very tough, like, very important shift. Uh, in my case, I ended up investing all my time in the alternative university and almost not going at all in my bachelor, as in just going to the bare minimum in order to be able to uh, to get my diploma. Uh, but what I feel and what I've seen throughout the years that's a very, very important thread in the learning um, model and in the design of the alternative university is a program that each student goes when they join the alternative university. It's called um, autonomy learning. And it's a one-on-one program where you have a student and then you have a facilitator. And the facilitator is somehow like a coach, but it's not a properly trained coach. But let's just call it like this for the sake of the conversation. So he's a coach less facilitator, who helps the student understand how he learns best by himself. And I think that is the most essential uh, program that the university has designed until now. Um, From what I've seen and what I've known, uh, there is no other similar program in any of the other learning environments or uh, universities around the world. And this is something that the alternative university team has been perfected, perfecting since 2009 onwards.
1: Yeah, so, can you give us a very small glimpse into what those one-on-one sessions would look like or what um, the coach is providing um, to help someone uncover their, their best way of learning on their own?
0: Yeah, so it's, it's a um, quite thorough process from the facilitator side of things because there's a lot of, Um, emphasis put in making sure that the facilitators uh, know how to deal with the conversations. But basically in the very beginning there is a discovery stage in which the student first of all figures out a little bit of who he is and what is actually relevant for him or her to learn. That is the very important thing. And throughout the process what me as a student for example what I've learned was how after discovering what I want to learn and what's relevant for me at any point like throughout the year or in my develop in my career for example when I want to develop new skills um after I have understood what I want to learn um there is the how part how do I do that and one thing that the um autonomy learning program does very well is that it makes students aware of all the learning resources around them. So there's just, there's not only the option of reading a book, of going to a class. It's the option of getting a mentor. It's the option of going on a learning journey. The option of, I don't know, learning by yourself, testing things. It's the option of, you know what, you want to learn this, just go ahead and do it and figure out, draw people around you. So there, there's many, many, many options that the program uh, makes you aware of so that you can start and build your own learning program. So, for example, when I started, one of my learning objectives was to learn German. And what we did was we were working for three months. We had a, one, um, a call once per uh, week. Or a meeting with my facilitator once per week. And we set up this learning objective, like learn German. And of course, the objective wasn't to learn German in three months, but the objective was to figure out the process that would help me kickstart my learning journey. And one of the very first things that I actually realized was that I wanted to learn German because it sounded cool and because I wanted an alternative to English, but there was no other real interest or relevance for me to do that so then we had a conversation and we were like okay so now let's look at actually what really matters so back then i was part of a student ngo as well i was in charge of developing the learning programs for the rest of the students so what i realized is that what i what's important for me to learn is how to become a learning designer and what are the things that I should look at. So basically for the next three months in the process, I experimented with tools, I experimented with meeting people and with getting um, the resources I need that would help me become a learning designer. That was for me as a student in the process, that was a very up and down um, process because it comes with frustrations. How do you organize your time? How do you make sure things happen? Uh, I would have weeks in which we draw the line of what did I actually learn and there would be nothing there because I didn't have time, I didn't know how to organize my time. So all the challenges that you go through in day-to-day life, but this program helps you become aware of it and understand how you organize your learning so that you actually make learning happen in the way that works for you. And for me, that was the key of like, the way to unlock like all the possibilities that like after i what i feel is that after you learn how you learn best by yourself you can literally learn anything so that's why i think this program is very important and uh, maybe tran and Corina have some more like newer perspectives on the program and why it's so important <laughs>
2: I would like to add um, only one, one thing and it's related to how this uh, autonomy learning actually helps you become a more self-organized community <laughs> because it's the key element, the key thing that we need uh, from everybody in the community so that we can actually be student-run or entirely student-run, right? Um, And basically what happens is that we invite students to go firstly uh, through this program so that they learn how to access resources more easily, maybe connect with people, discover what really uh, works for them, uh, reconsider their relationship with learning and stop seeing it only as happening in a classroom. (laughs) Uh, So there are many things that you you discover and that afterwards help you in working better together with others. Like you can be a better collaborator, you can uh, contribute to decision making, and so uh, so on and so forth. And these things are uh, um, important for the other two elements that we have in our educational model because we want to make the um, learning in circles (laughs) when when you're learning with others let's make this uh self-directed as well don't expect for somebody to come up with a plan let's make it together and decide together as a group what we want to learn uh and the third level is about the the community uh, building whether we talk about learning in a specific circle together with other people who are interested in the same uh, subject as you are, or we talk about the entire community with all the students, the alumni, the uh, alternative teachers, and so on. Um, you learn how to work with them and to contribute to the decisions, to put your uh, contribution, and to, to learn how to consciously build a relationship by knowing yourself and learning how to better interact with the others. And these things are um, as relevant for for us now as they were 10 years ago. (laughs) And I think they are important because um, that's something that we acknowledged in this process of transitioning to a new way of uh, organizing our community. We established that these three things that are part of our uh, educational model are still core to what we do and we don't want to uh, lose them uh, in this process because they are really important and they make a lot of sense uh, in terms of how we want to learn together and um our learning we are aware of the fact that this actually creates a new world a new way of living together so um yeah that was my my add-on to what anna mentioned
1: in following hearing the three of you discuss the alternative universities it sounds like the university itself is sort of a set of structures a set of systems a set of offerings that are flexible to what a student needs in their own personal journey within the group and and from what you're offering as well as an institution. Um, and there's just something when you're speaking on it, or I just thought what you're describing, it just sounds mind-blowing that you would have to get to the near the end of your educational experience to actually be in university before you're taught how you best learn because that seems like, a pretty critical skill for when you transition out of school into the rest of your life and into the workforce and into your own own world to have that strong sense of self about how you best learn. Um, I'm just curious if there's any sort of anecdotes you have from students or others who've shared or expressed to you the profound change that the school has made for them.
2: I I can... uh... Answer this one. One of the things that we usually uh, tell our students when when they start applying this uh, self-directed learning pro- process is that the purpose of the program is to help you reconnect with your natural way of learning. And the best way to put that, or to uh, express it more metaphorically, is like remember how you were used to learning when you were a child, and they are. All starting playing and integrate integrating playing more with their learning process because that's something that's actually missing a lot in the traditional approach and they rediscover some of the things that they used to like um, and one of the key metaphors that have, has worked pretty well in the past years is this of a sculpture. Uh, do you want to be the sculptor or the wax? And they start thinking about what are the the learning contexts that they feel more. Um, I don't know. They feel better like being the wax, accepting that accepting that somebody else will uh, tell them what to do and how to do it and when to do it and so on. And what are the other contexts where they feel like they want to be the sculptures? They want to be the ones who are creating things and giving direction. and And usually it's a mix of them. Uh, I haven't seen (laughs) uh, a student that would say I want to be one or the other. They usually combine them depending on their learning contexts, roles, and so on. So this is something that I've seen uh, happening, students becoming excited about being sculptors themselves (laughs) Um, or uh, those who are more in the process of, okay, I still need to be wax a bit to let others uh, give me things to learn or help me discover this new world because by the end of the day, we are aware of, we are aware of the fact that we're uh, we're going through a transition. Whenever a student uh, gets into our community, they are usually transitioning from these uh, old patterns of thinking that they need to unlearn more <laughs> to this new way of uh, looking at your learning and how it works. And it's a matter of redesigning uh, your relationship with your learning it's not only that learning is a tool it's a relationship with yourself by the end of the day because you have your potential your resources the things that you want to do with your life uh, and if you decide that somebody else will make them happen then uh, you're not necessarily taking responsibility of this relationship so i guess it's, this is the hardest part of the process to reconsider your relationship with learning and to make it yours <laughs> stop putting it outside of yourself
1: Well, I think the values of the school really align with that idea of helping someone create a new kind of relationship with their learning, Um, just because we haven't explicitly stated them, um, the ideas of playing, freedom, learning, collaborating, daring, and kindness. I'm, I'm sure if you look across most schools, most schools would say something similar, but it seems the way that you as an organization approach these with the students who are there just seems far more authentic than perhaps how more conventional schools would do. I think a lot of conventional schools would sort of be like, well, we already have the way we do things, and we do that in kind of a kind way. And and you know, we have space for collaborating and, and some play in there. But it really sounds as though like these these are the actual six ingredients that then inform how you organize as a structure, how you organize as a culture between students and the core team. And putting these six things front and center of, of an individual's learning. Um, just before we bring kind of Brendan in here to follow up on a few things, are there any other things you'd like to say about the university, maybe the values or, or other things we haven't addressed yet?
3: Yeah, I was thinking in answering, uh, answer, answering your question about the, uh, an anecdote. So I, was, I had this role of uh, counselor for self-directed learning Uh, for quite some time. I think I worked with uh, 12 people in all and accompanying them for a year in their learning. This was fascinating for me. Uh, I think I really got how people actually learn only by accompanying uh, so intimately these people. And I can give uh, some examples of... uh, So this process, in a way, you start being self-directed in your own learning but actually what happens is you start to self-direct your life more and you get off the autopilot so for example what i'm super happy that happened in alternative university is that some people had the courage to design some paths paths in life that are unconventional and that are really aligned with who they are but they weren't on their radar uh, before. So for example, I was working with um, this girl, Sylvia, and her plan was to become a psychotherapist. And she comes from a family where both her parents are teachers. And she said she, she's never going to be an educator or in education. She's, will stay away from that. And in the process of uh, becoming self-directed in her learning and asking herself questions and all that, at one point she was part of this event where we invited uh, one of the staff in Summer Hill School. Uh, it's one of the first democratic schools in the world. Uh, so, uh, this guy came and he gave a presentation about democratic education. And there was a movie screening uh, afterwards uh, about the school. is was a very, very touching movie uh, about how children uh, have freedom in their own education in that school. Uh, and then uh, Sylvia got into this group, work group, uh, that would try to create a first democratic school in Romania. There were 12 people and they were all ages and they started working on this school and they worked for a year. And event in, at some point they invited Silvia to be their sort of a project manager or something. And she accepted, although she was uh, among the youngest in the group. And eventually after a year, they realized that uh, they cannot build the same school because they have different visions. So there there were just a couple, uh, like 12 people gathered at the conference. Uh, And after that experience, Silvia said, you know what? This idea about the democratic school in Romania, it still makes sense for me. I want to do it. Uh, And she was alone. And uh, she had this conversation with herself. How can I start a democratic school? I'm just a 22-year-old girl. And um, somehow she find a way. She, so she, um, she, did the, she decided that she, she's gonna work with teenager, teenagers and she said, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna start with an urban adventure. So she started with an urban adventure. She got some teenagers involved. And then she said, together with the teenagers involved, let's make a camp. And they made a camp and at that camp they said, how about doing a learning community that will eventually transform into a democratic high school? So she's been on, on this path for quite some time. Um, the the community she runs now is called, is called Learnity. And uh, it's not yet a democratic high school, but it's on, on the way. And this is very unconventional path and a hard path to walk. And I think this is... Uh, this is the kind of result that uh, I cherish the most. When I see somebody walking a difficult path that is their own.
1: That to me is what's really coming across in the work that your school is doing. Is It's preparing people for the world beyond the school, but it's preparing, I won't say a new kind of person, but it's kind of preparing the sort of person that's needed to adapt in this very volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous world of, um, someone who can find their own path, can unlearn the unhelpful aspects of the culture around them and bring new interesting things into the world around them. Um, there's a lot more I think we could say on that but Brendan, maybe you want to hop in here with some of your thoughts and join the conversation
4: thanks for that that was it's really inspiring just to sit back and listen to that conversation happen because uh, many of the conversations myself and Rob have are centered entirely on that question of how we move towards getting some kind of autonomy in in learning. We're both, I guess, primary educators. Um, So a a few of my questions that I have, and I don't have too many because I think you really set out the agenda of your school there really well. But one of the questions I, I had is, how do you learn to coach? So your teachers, as you bring them in, what's the kind of uh preparation or the support that they have to to be able to facilitate this um autonomy in student learning and i'm, go- I'm just going to throw that out because i think all, all three of you have clearly got really strong and really valid opinions on these things so i'm happy to hear from all or, or some of you
2: Okay, so um the first thing that we're we are doing each year is that we select a team of maybe four to six uh, learners from the community. They are students uh, in their second year or alumni with uh, more experience and what we're doing is that we create together with them the program for for that year and okay. the, the most important thing here is that we select the ones who are already uh having a higher level of self-directedness in their learning. Like we want to sure. have in that team the people who are practicing what they're preaching so that we make sure we have a high quality um, in, in terms of how we pass this knowledge on, right? Uh, so yes. they are the one together with whom we are designing the process. And then for the students who are becoming facilitators, we basically invite them to a, a series of maybe five to seven uh, trainings uh, in which we basically take uh, every part of the of the process that we 're having here and we go in depth in analyzing how it works why it 's important, what are some tools and resources that they can use in their facilitation uh, sessions, how they can apply themselves those tools so that they see how it works and and so on so it 's basically a, a mix of practice training, and understanding the the model in its deepness because it has some really important elements. For instance, if we only stop what habits and how they work and how they impact our learning processes, you can discover discover only in this spectrum <laughs> many, many sure, yeah. understandings. So this is what we do with the autonomy in learning program.
4: Cool. And this it's I guess you're looking to have that um, holistic kind of approach so that we're not just looking at one aspect of the students learning such as their academic needs but also their underlying values and and how they approach learning
2: yeah and um, that's happening uh, and it, it's encouraged By design, by the way the program is designed, this way of looking at your learning. Because you start from analyzing your values, your motivator factors, uh, maybe some rules that you have currently in your life, and the learning environments that you're in, maybe social, virtual, (laughs) physical learning environments and how they affect your learning. So we try to give them as much... uh, perspectives as possible uh, in terms of what are the elements relevant to your learning process?
3: Tryan here. So I think the the program, uh, I think it's, uh, I'm not sure it's clear from what Corina said that this is a peer-to-peer program. So uh, the students that are in their second year, they coach the students that are in the first year. And it's specifically designed like this uh, because it works on both ends. So you have, yeah. um, the student that is, uh, coaching, uh, he's learning a lot about, uh, the learning process also. Uh, and when you have this role and uh, you perceive it as being important, then you pay, uh, um, a lot of attention to, to this, uh, to learning processes and how, how do you coach? And we always say like, um, you are learning together and you are an example uh, maybe for for the uh, the new student so you have this responsibility of taking your learning to the next level uh, and i think this is an important element of design this peer to peer thing and in a way uh, some somehow like i think the best training that uh, uh, they actually have is their own experience as being coached. So you're being coached the first year and the second year you're, you're going to coach. And of course we're adding these trainings and these refresh, refreshers. Um, but I think uh, I, I was uh, at one point coordinating this program. And when I was looking at uh, what happened in these relationships, I think people are using more of the things that happened to them Passing them on than the things that we were trying to to train in those trainings. Uh, So in a way, it's a very organic process of this community passing on um, uh, knowledge and wisdom about how do you facilitate self-directed learning.
4: Yeah, I think that's a really important integral element because I guess you've got in essence, a rolling program where you're always training your new staff or teachers and coaches. And I guess that, as you say, it's going to organically help the organization to grow. Um, And I guess my question is somewhat related um, to, I guess, the notion of assessment and success criteria and how you're... Uh, measuring or deciding on if the path is successful uh, while, while it's taking place and also if there's success at the end. Because, of course, if the students are also in a, a bachelor's program that has a, a very clear set of um, success criteria and, a, and, a, and a, an obvious end point, is there an element of this within your uh, program?
2: Yeah, what we did is that we tried to find something that allows personalized assessment, so that we don't—I don't, uh, don't know—we we let them. Uh, until the end to have these personalized tracks rather than us trying to standardize them. So this was something that we started looking at uh, like four years ago or five years ago. And we discovered uh, badges like uh, Mozilla foundation started developing them as learning tools. And we basically use badges as way, uh, ways of uh, doing personalized assessment because every student, whenever uh, they are, choosing a, a learning objective. They can use the badge to define it better. And basically, you you have this framework in which you define what do you want to achieve, uh, what's the timeline, what are some criteria in place that you need in order to achieve a, a specific level, depending on what, where you are and what you want to achieve and so on. So we have this framework in place and we also have some badges that we have developed ourselves in the university. So every student can actually access those uh, badges or create their own, uh, depending on the learning objectives that they have. Um, and this is something that we are still developing. It's not um, working that well uh, for the entire community. There are the early adopter students and those who <laughs> still need some convincing in using them. Yeah. But the whole idea is that uh, by using the badge, you're basically going to finish your program by having a portfolio rather than having a diploma. So whenever you're interacting with, I don't know, maybe people from the business sector, from um, when you want to apply to a different a specific job or something like that, you can actually send them your portfolio, which, shows what's your practical experience, uh, what are the skills that you have developed and how and so on. So it's a more uh, personalized uh, approach. And from my point of view, it it actually uh, takes this uh, (laughs) hat from from our heads, like we should be the ones who decide if your uh, learning journey is successful or not. You're gonna be able to evaluate that together with some experts and peers. Uh, depending on the feedback that you get from your own practical experience. So it's not up to us to decide if you're good or bad or (laughs) whatever. We can offer you feedback and you decide if you want to integrate it or not in your portfolio.
4: Yeah, that sounds really interesting. The the badges idea, I, I checked on myself five or six years ago and I loved the idea. And one of the struggles that I had of trying to begin to get it accepted within a primary school system was that outside of say the system of badges it was a little difficult to um, persuade people that it had quite as much um that they should give it quite as much credit as say a, a certificate like a bachelor's for example but i do see that this kind of um this kind of badge or these kind of set of systems where you can take smaller credits and you can build them together to build your own path towards learning it seems a really healthy one. Uh, I just want to briefly follow up. Do you, do you see that, these, um, that this kind of system will allow your students to kind of make further inroads into the businesses and areas they uh, intend to go into next?
2: I think it's important to work at both ends, to work with the student and help him or her understand why it's a new, interesting way of evaluating your progress. And in the same time, to work with the companies or people who are interested in working with these new, young, fresh (laughs) uh, students and to also help them understand um, how these badges can actually adds add, add value to to their working environment and from our experiences there are some companies uh, that are more willing to uh, adapt and to adopt <laughs> these new ways of yeah. looking at skills and they already using them inside their companies on their online platforms and so on so they they have a language at least in this yeah. regard uh, and of course there are some other companies which are not even aware of the fact that this there there is a different way of looking at at, at learning and um, at your progress. So we actually had a few years ago some uh, conferences uh, aimed at companies in which we promoted badges of, as a new way of looking at skills. And uh, I think this is important because otherwise uh, the students will will have to. I don't know, to meet the companies in that place where they're still asking for the CV and the diploma, and it's not yep. not relevant, and they're going to be like, okay, so I need a diploma. <laughs> um,
0: of course, yeah. If I can add something here, because I realized that, Anna here, um, I realized that we did not mention this until now because for us it's a very normal and common thing. But so we call it the alternative university, but it's not. Uh, a legally accredited university within Romania's uh, uh, system. Uh, this is something that, in the beginning, the, the team who put the model together was looking at. But after some time and after some years, I think we completely dropped the idea just, just because we wanted to go away from that. We didn't want to attract students who wanted or needed a diploma but students that really want to get value in terms and improvement in terms of how they learn, how they get to live a more fulfilling and um, purpose-driven life than anything else. So I just wanted to mention that because I realized we, we didn't until now, so maybe this will, will change a little bit your perspectives as well.
4: Yeah, I, I was aware of, I was aware of that, um, that fact, and I, I think you kind of covered it earlier by speaking about many of your students also doing a, a bachelor's, and I think that's up to those individual students to make their way also through that, through that system.
0: Yeah,
4: exactly. I would
3: also want to add something yeah. on this. Uh, diplomas are usually um, also play this role of transferring trust. Um, trust that uh, that person has some skills uh, and, that, and that person uh, has put some energy into uh, into uh, her learning and all that. And I think uh, this trust is somehow, uh, I mean, it's considered automatic. So if you went to a university and you studied, uh, let's say, uh, management, uh, it's assumed somehow vaguely that you can manage teams or people or projects and but this actually is uh, uh, i don't think it's such a powerful um, transfer of trust I think uh, in my experience, companies look uh, at different things, especially for uh, for the jobs that are really uh, interesting and um, mm, looked after. I think uh, this method of having a lot of CVs and looking who has the diploma and determining, all oh, right, you have a diploma in management, then, then I'm going to hire you. It doesn't work like that. So there are other things that um, convince would convince somebody to hire you. And this process of um, badges, but like it's about taking responsibility of this transfer of trust. And in the moment you start creating your own portfolio and following your passion and investing a lot of time in this, but also learning to articulate your, your learning path. How are you good at something? Why do you think it's, it's this way? Uh, maybe you build your own website. Maybe you take responsibility of, Going to networking events and you go volunteer in some projects and people meet you. What actually happens is that you skip that process of uh, sending your CV altogether, and you end up receiving offers to work from people that uh, have met you or from recommendations and all that. Uh, And I think the most interesting jobs that are are out there. they are. Um, this is how it happens. This is how people find uh, the right persons uh, for them. Uh, so I think it's really young people. I think young people need to learn to hack this credentialing system and take responsibility for the way they network, for the way they uh, convey trust, uh, and all that.
2: And I think. The- I, I think- Sorry, Sorry, I think that Badges put forward a really nice framework for creating new jobs because usually you get to create learning objectives that are not necessarily on the radar for any company or individual on the planet. You you can create something that's really tailor-made for your needs.
4: Yeah, and I think... uh, the. The, the path you're describing has always kind of been the case for artists, which my my background in, initially was in arts, and so the portfolio and the self-directed learning. And it's, it's really interesting to see that we're trying to hack the system and bring it across across the board uh, and transfer that trust so that, yeah, as you say, it's not the certificate that you get at the end of your diploma or your BA, your bachelor's. It, it doesn't tell you everything. so. I really I'm inspired by taking it forward that way I think I agree that you get more interesting people for more interesting jobs uh, I wanted to just finish with one question that, that um, Rob uh, speaks a lot about uh, two types of I guess people in these uh, that in this transformative education paradigm that you you guys I guess are operating in and we describe you guys as pioneers, you have schools and you're you're kind of dictating your own system. And I've asked this question a few times to people, what advice would you give to people such as myself and Rob and others who are more the hackers and we may are operating in systems that are not quite as progressive or as free as the systems you're in, what hints or advice would you give to us in our practice to bring ourselves and our schools more in, more in agreement with the kind of awesome things that you guys are doing?
0: For some time, uh, a couple of years ago, we, re- we were really, really focused on how we could take this amazing thing that we're building here in Bucharest and take it, replicate it, or, yeah, build it somewhere else in other parts of the world. And uh, this comes mainly because after the first years, there were some people in the community uh, traveling quite a lot around the world. Um, I was one of them uh, because of what the university taught me to take responsibility of my own learning. So what I realized is I actually want to go and explore the world a little more and learn about it. And education was one of the frameworks that I did that through. Uh, Tryan was another person who did that, who did a journey of two years around the world to uh, research alternative education models. There were other people. So we were really looking into that. We, we would see gaps in other systems. We would see other um, communities facing the same problems that we have here in Romania. So we were like, okay, how can we take it and how can we replicate it? How can we bring it there? and i think we 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 learned really fast that it's not an issue of replicating anything it's not an issue of taking this that we're building here and build it somewhere else because what what we could have done and what we could do is take the principles take, take the framework and put it somewhere else but The school that would be built there would be completely different, just because it's so personalized on the local context and the local needs of the people here. Um, But one thing that um, I think we realized is that while it's very difficult to um, take these principles and the model and say, okay, from tomorrow, we are going to apply it to a public school or we're going to turn something like on its head completely different um personally i don't think that works um i also work uh with uh, organizations trying to help them build her- her- healthier working environments and talking about kill organizations and heal environments and th- that's one thing that i don't think like this kind of very like tough disruption can can tear uh, a school or a learning environment down but I think what it's the case it's taking small and tiny bits of the process and adapting it to a public model or to other learning environments um, we, we slowly started to do that with uh, the autonomy and learning program uh, Corina just uh, went on a really nice learning journey in mexico uh, Mexico to Uh, Connect to a university there and to teach them how they can uh, apply the autonomy learning program uh, in their learning environment as well Um, So I think it's these tiny bits looking at the model and looking at Trying trying to build it step by step and again, it doesn't have to be like we're doing here But it can be the the principle the philosophies just going into a, a public school a public classroom and, and thinking how can I help these kids design their own learning How, what is one question that I can start with that can turn around their learning program I don't think it's easy and I'm not sure I'm giving a very specific example here but I think it's like start with the mindset first of all start with thinking of what would be some values or what would be something that we would like to build together with these kids and try to instill to, to them? and Start from there. Guys, do you have anything? I, to have?
2: I can take it from here because my idea was related to this mindset that you're talking about Anna. I was thinking about what can be a healthy mind to, mindset to have as an educator or as a student inside the traditional uh, school maybe, so that that environment uh, can evolve in terms of their relationship with learning. <laughs> and I think it's really interesting to, to look at ourselves as having these three hats in the same times, we are all learners, we are all facilitators, and we are all organizers. So, because usually a teacher might get hang to their organizing hat. <laughs> Yeah, I'm here to organize to give the grades to make sure things are happening and they forget about their learner hat or facilitator hat. So I think it's a, a an interesting mix. And if more teachers and students would become aware of those three layers and try to practice them more uh, often, I think that would bring a change because Even by starting with being a learner, uh, whenever you find something that's challenging or that you're disagreeing with inside that environment, by learning and by practicing this, you will be able to find new ways of tackling the same uh, struggle, I guess. So for me, that would be it to mix those three and leave them consciously.
4: (laughs) Excellent. Um, Thanks for that. That's that's great. Yeah.
3: Can I add something, just really quick? Okay. Like, uh, maybe you know uh, know Ivan Ilyich, uh, he's yeah. a great thinker, and he has a quote, I think it's something like, uh, friendship is enough structure for a revolution. And my, um, my invitation, it's not an advice, it's just an invitation, uh, is that we build friendships, organic friendships between these kinds of learning environments. And as you build this organic friendship, people go from one place to the other, and they find all interesting ways of collaborating. And I think uh, the ideas that can transfer, they will transfer naturally uh, in on this framework of a, of a friendship. So that means we can host people that are interesting in learning about our models they can invite us uh, to their places and we can do this lively exchange and things will happen in their own pace uh, so my my invitation would, would be let's build this uh, informal friendships visit each other stay in touch that's that's uh,
4: that's a that's beautiful I, <laughs> I really like that idea and i i think um, it, for people who don't know even I- Illich, his his book on de-schooling society is uh, is a really good read, um, and and I guess a lot of the ideas in that book are similar to the ones we've talked about here. Um, that's that's all my questions. That I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you very much. Really inspiring and um, fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Th-
0: so, our, our, our question now is, when are you guys coming to visit?
1: <laughs> Good question. Soon.
0: It's a little while from Osaka, but
4: I'll be there soon. Rob's closer.
1: Yeah. I, at the start of this call, hadn't really considered it, but after Tryon's invitation there and after hearing the three of you discussing this, I would really like to come see this in operation.
0: Well, it's it's really interesting because we are getting ready for our annual camp, uh, which is starting uh, next week in a couple of days. And they're talking about uh, values and talking about like how how we lead them um, in, in this learning community. What this uh, this camp is the best way to experience uh, how life is. Um, in, in the alternative university because we have uh, six days, and each day is designed um, to be very focused around living one value. So how do we as a community leave each, each of the values? So you have the Freedom Day, you have Kindness Day, you have Collaborating Day. So that, that would be the best way to, to experience what we're all about.
1: this episode of reinventing education was insightful or useful to you feel free to reach out and connect to us on social media we'd enjoy having your perspective join the conversation about what reinventing education might look like feel free to find us on our facebook page reinventing education podcast and join the discussions there from brendan and myself thanks for joining us